All right, welcome back to Sports Act for Fans by Fans. This is Brian, and I got Alex here with me, episode 35. Probably more importantly, Alex, week two, football is in the books. Moving on to week three now, so we're going to kind of break down some of the things from week two to know, things to talk about, and things to look forward to in week three in terms of just general football talk and fantasy football. So once again, make sure you guys follow us on Facebook, please. Give us a follow. Uh, and on the podcast, please share with other people if you like it. Uh, give a subscribe. It helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. So getting directly into it, Alex, doing our quick one-minute recap of the things that were important. Alex, this is a crazy weekend. Um, it seemed like there's a lot of close games. Uh, seven of 16 games are divided divided or decided by three points or less. Um, I know, obviously, your your team was involved in that, but there's a couple other crazy games. More importantly, what do you think, Alex, about the two 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 no teams in the AFC being Denver and Las Vegas. What are your thoughts on that? Surprising, really not surprising. You, you're the one that kind of picked Denver to kind of go on a little bit of a run this year. So, kudos so far to you on your pick of that. Um, the Vegas one was a little bit surprised for a simple fact. I didn't think their defense would play as good as this played. Yep, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit because we're going to break down some of the two O team surprises uh, that that we are that are in football. Uh, Ravens. In another crazy nail-biter of a game, obviously week one against the Raiders, week two now against the Chiefs, man, it would have been bad if they would have fallen that 0-2 hole. We'll talk about that. Uh, Carson Wentz can't stay healthy, hurt his ankle, may not play next week. Uh, More importantly for Philadelphia fans, because they're heartless, they're probably concerned about their draft pick. Uh, Zach Wilson, Alex. Poor Zach Wilson, right? But I think we all knew this was going to happen. I think people keep – I don't know why no one's talked about this week. I've heard from anywhere, Alex, but – Besides, before the season, it's always been Belichick and rookie quarterbacks is an issue. Like, I didn't hear anything about it this week, did you? Like, there was no talk about it. Not at all. I didn't hear anything. And then here we go. Bill Belichick and the, that defense just eat Wilson alive. Four interceptions made him look like the rookie, did not look like a second-round pick. Kind of looked like Nathan Peterman a little bit. Uh, Vikings, if you're a Vikings fan, man, that's tough. 0-2, two, two road losses combined for four points in total. And then you go play Seattle next, who's who needs a win also. Um, so that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, the last thing I got to quickly recap, Alex, Justin Fields got to play. And in my opinion, almost sabotaged his team into a loss when they had a, a win sealed away, uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So we talked about a couple games last week of what we wanted to look forward to. Of those four games, Alex, we hit the nail on the head on three of them. The one that we did not, the Bills at the Dolphins, thought we would have got more. However, Tua got hurt. Um, You know, Alex, we talked about the offensive line as a problem, right? Um, I don't know if it's a a surprise to you. In two series, he was sacked twice. Uh, Jalen Waddle had two drop passes. So, I mean, once again... uh, I think you'd have to look back and say that we should not have gotten Waddle and we should have gotten offensive lineman, right, Alex, if you're Miami? Yeah, uh, you definitely are second-guessing yourself uh, and also you maybe second-guessing your quarterback the way it looks. Yeah, so Miami's Miami's offensive line, if you look at their grades across, um, the best player is kind of like an average person. So uh, you have... You know, pretty much uh, at best, 
C grades all the way across the line. Their center, 23rd or 33. Their right guard, 60 of 69. That line is not good. Um, Tua needs more time in the pocket. They can't really establish the run very well. That was just a tough game. Now let's move on to the interesting games, Alex. The Ravens, uh, I, I, last week you you really kind of asked, you know, can anyone give the Chiefs a run? And you kind of brought up, can the Ravens do that? And I was kind of skeptical, I believe, because uh, it's not happened. But Alex, the Ravens gave them that run. It looked like, even though that looked like Lamar was trying to throw the game with the start. But what did you think about that Ravens-Chiefs game? Um, it's a big time game. I didn't expect them to all score that many points. I expected it kind of be in the twenties, but I mean, it, it, it could have been a 40 burger ever all the way around. Um, but we've all, all talked about, you know, it's one of those things in week one, the over people over criticizing the Ravens, you knew the Ravens were going to bounce back week two. They knew desperately they couldn't go down. Oh, two, um, Kansas city kind of uh, looked at first, it looked like it was going to be a blowout. Um, but Lamar Jackson, man, um, I, I'm critical of him just like everybody else. But, man, he just he just balled out. I, I can't do nothing but kind of give him his thing. I mean, yeah, he didn't he doesn't throw for 300 yards, but he damn near runs for 100 a game. So 250 plus 100 a game, that's basically a 350 yard passer, in my opinion. So and it's just crazy. He's the third leading rusher as a quarterback right now at this time. And uh, we don't even think about, hey, they didn't have, they've lost their running backs. So they're now their fourth or fifth string. I mean, he's the running game by himself. Yeah. And with Lamar, it's weird. If you, for those of you that did watch the game, for those of you that didn't watch the game, he he's so dynamic as a runner. He's breaking tackles. He's so quick uh, making his elusive juke, like little kind of hop, bunny hop juke moves. But as a passer, man, he had, he has some good passes. And even against the Chiefs, he had some very questionable passes, throwing into double coverage, uh, missing reads, throwing late into the end zone when he had Marquise Brown wide open in the end zone. He hesitated for whatever reason, waited for Tyra Matthew to run over a break over to break up the pass. Um, so, you know, as a passer, he's still working. He's getting there. He's still very young. But, man, as a running, he, he may be the best pure runner in the league. It's It's crazy. But let's talk about the move that was probably the most ballsy move of the season uh, in the NFL so far in the young season, which Alex, I'll probably say it's probably the ballsiest move maybe in, in for this regular season. But, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbled. Um, the Ravens got the ball back to kind of try to close it out. The Chiefs are burning timeouts. Fourth and one it, inside their own 50. They could have punted. No hesitation. Harbaugh yells to Lamar. Lamar, do you want to go for it? That's the greatest thing I've seen in a long time between a coach and a quarterback. You know, we don't know if we can stop the Chiefs, but just the fact that you ask your quarterback if he wants to do it, because you know what he's going to say, but you're letting him have the option. I, I love that move. But Alex, could you imagine if they did not convert that play, what they would say in Baltimore or around the media, like around the news media with all the, the geniuses like Skip Bayless out there? They would crucify Harbaugh for this. They would crucify Harbaugh for not being a coach. They crucify Harbaugh because they're own two, because um, they should have beat the Raiders. You know, what did you think about that move? Because I loved it, but what was your kind of you know takeaway about it now? You're, you're right on that. Uh, they would have said, "Hey, you know, the coach took the ball out of it. You know, who did something stupid and and took away his team's right to to win the game." Um, I'm surprised most teams don't go in for that situation anyway. Um, I treat kind of – you need to treat Pat Mahomes like you should treat Tom Brady and treat um, Peyton Manning. It's one of those situations where it's like 
you're going to give the ball back to one of the great quarterbacks in the league. He's probably going to have a chance to go down, kick a field goal, score a touchdown. I mean, get to the point with the way offense is, is this way. It's just going to happen. You saw with my Cowboys, they kicked the um, game-winning field goal too early, gave Tom Brady so much time. It was like it was a matter of time before Tom Brady was going to do it. Um, we have someone like Patrick Mahomes. He, if they didn't go for it and punted it, Pat Mahomes is coming down and going to do something and probably um, win the game. So I think it was ballsy, uh, but I think when you think about it, when you, you really sit down and think about it, you can't do that. and You have to do stuff to like that when you play the great quarterbacks because they're just going to punish you for it. Yeah, and it was even crazier because they, they were probably five yards away from a good safe field goal attempt. So, you know, I love the move, though. You played your strength. Um, it's not to say the Ravens defense was bad, but the Ravens defense did something kind of right because Kelsey only had eight targets, let alone they'd have some catches. But Tyree Kill only had three catches. So very rare. Um, they kind of forced him to use Pringle and Hardman more, which is probably going to – I'm just going to say this. It's going to draw people to falsely go to after McCall Hardman because every single time McCall Hardman has a long touchdown or a couple targets, people freak out and assume that he's the number two target. And he, he never is. He's never been – so we'll see what happens with that. But the thing I do want to talk about is the Ravens running back usage. So Williams had 13 carries. Murray had nine carries. Freeman had two carries. Devontae Freeman, remember, they just got off the sign and practice squad. So the snap breakage, though, however, Williams was in for 49% of snaps, which was only down 2% from week one. Latavius Murray was in for 36% of snaps in week two, which is up 5% from week one. So he's going to be involved a little bit more in Freeman. Not much usage. So the big thing to look at is next week, the Ravens play the Lions. Bless the Lions' heart for how much they try and how much they want to fight. But that Ravens defense is going to run all over that Lions defense. The Niners did it week one. It's going to happen. Aaron Jones just had a four-touchdown game uh, against Monday. Like I said, everyone, I told everyone, relax. Everyone that's overreacting about Green Bay literally is just following what the media is saying and regurgitating. Be an independent thinker. Don't follow what they say. But man, Watch the Ravens running backs next week. I think if you don't have Williams, you don't have Murray, you need to pick them up. Draft Kingsum. It, it's going to be it's going to be bad for the Lions. Hate to say it, but all right, let's move on to the next game, Alex. Your Dallas Cowboys at the Chargers came down to a field goal. Another great game. Cowboys 2017. Alex, my first takeaway from the game is we just saw the Cowboys compete in a different manner because week one was all about passing. Week two was all about the running game. So what did you think about the, the Cowboys' ability to show a different type of offensive uh, ability? It showed their versatility. Um, we thought they were going to be a big play passing game. Um, we we were talking about in the first week that Zeke is getting phased out. The running game is getting phased back. It's Dak's team. And to some point, it is true. Um, we But this game plan, we always just saw, um, based off how the Chargers were playing, this, this was a team that could get got running the football. Um, I do love that they kind of, did run the 31 plus times. However, I loved it more that they were able to split the carries between the backs. Um, and Jason Garrett, old school, he would love to just pound Zeke for 30 plus carries and no one else got any carries. But uh, Tony Pollard has kind of shown that he's kind of a playmaker, playmaker waiting to happen, um, whether it's with the running the football or in the backfield catching. So I like that they kind of were balanced more for the fact that Paula had 13 carries, Zeke had 16. It's a long season. You, you want to keep Zeke if you're you obviously paying him. If you want to keep him for the long run, you got to keep him healthy so he doesn't hit a wall. 
And then how you help that out with you, you split time with him and Pollard. So the thing that I like about that was kind of like what you said with how much, how they're using Pollard, but it's, I don't know if defenses are going to start keying in. Cause to me, there's now two teams that you can trust. They're two running backs. It's the Cowboys and the Browns. You can kind of see Pollard almost being used like kind of like Kareem hunt, but he's a different type of running back. And he was in on only 24% of snaps in week one in week two, it went up to 34% of snaps. However, he had almost the same amount of carries as Zeke. He had one more catch. So Zeke's got in for a lot, probably for pass protection reasons. But when Pollard's in, he's getting the ball. So that's two weeks in a row. And now his, his snap count has increased by 10%. Zeke's snap count, however, went from 84% to 71%. So let's continue to watch that and see where that goes. But I would say this is the week where by Pollard, if you have a chance, and just kind of see where that goes fantasy-wise. Now, the next fantasy thing to talk about is Alex. We confirmed last week, Mike Williams, this is the potential breakout year for him. And now he's given us two weeks in a row where he has had a great game. 70 catches, 91 yards, a touchdown, 10 targets. Two big weeks in a row. Mike Williams Herbert is looking his way. He's actually technically outpaced Keenan Allen. Uh, not to say that's going to happen year round, but man, if you don't have Mike Williams already, I would trade for him. I would get him, do whatever you can. I, I think he's... He's getting locked in. This is what we finally waited for, even though it may not be long-term because it's a contract year. Last thing, Austin Eckler went from zero catches to nine catches. Everyone can breathe that sigh of relief. Austin Eckler looks like he's back to normal, getting brought back into the game plan. Now, the next game, Tennessee and uh, Seattle, Alex. What did you think about that game? Well, one of the things I obviously looked at that it was going to be a high-scoring game because you're looking at two defenses that aren't really elite. Um, one of the things that you obviously saw fantasy-wise, you kind of saw Henry had a slow start to the beginning of the half. And he had a, kind of a slow start a little bit last week. If you were a fantasy owner, you kind of were kind of sweating, saying, hey, did um, Henry hit a brick wall? Well, the wall ended at halftime. Because then afterwards, he finished with 182 rushing yards by himself and did another 55-yard receiving and three touchdowns. So, um, I think if you're one of the fantasy owners that you had Henry this weekend, you were pretty happy that he kind of rebounded from the previous week. Uh, I think he's going to be kind of the workload horse over that. So I think that's something, you know, you definitely want to look at. Um, Brian, one of the things I kind of looked at and I kind of want to see as far as Tennessee is concerned, how they were going to use their wide receivers, how the wide receiver room was going to look. You put a Julio Jones in there. A lot of people think Julio Jones is still an elite wide receiver, but you had up-and-coming A.J. Brown coming up. Um, the first weekend, it kind of didn't go their way. Um, Julio didn't get that many yards. A.J. Brown didn't get that many yards. But this week, Julio did blow up, had over 100 yards receiving. But A.J. Brown still had 49 yards. It seemed like they were kind of not on the same page to look away with his quarterback. I don't know. You think um, you think there might be some type of trouble in paradise where they're having problems trying to figure out who the wide receiver, who they're throwing to? Uh, so I think we we identified earlier in the in the offseason that there's not a high target share between A.J. Brown and, and Chris Davis or and Davis last year, Corey Davis. I'm sorry that they, they the target share wasn't big. What it was big was their ability for the yards after the catch. So. What I am seeing the first two weeks is it looks like there's a lot of balls in their hands and they're just not making the catches. So I feel like as the season goes on, they'll be fine. But my problem was with Julio is injuries. And I feel like it's just going to happen eventually. And we're not going to see a vintage Julio because it, if it's not going to happen now, when's it going to happen? Um, so 
Yeah, I mean, that's what I think, Alex. Okay. Seattle side, that's probably one of the sides you kind of what we always talk about. I know same people seem like we always bang on Seattle, but the whole uh, new offensive coordinator, uh, Shane Waldrop, looks like the Russ is, quote, cooking. I know we kind of hate that word around here, but that's basically what it is. It seems like Russell's offensive-wise, they've kind of been moving the ball. Um, the only thing I've kind of been seeing with their offense um, seems like Lockett has kind of emerged as kind of being the bigger big threat. Um, we kind of question whether or not Walter can get um, DK Metcalf kind of started. Um, but one of the things or one of the reasons they couldn't win the game last week is you're looking at Chris Carson. He only had 13 carries to 31 yards. So it's going to be a kind of a look for when you're sending yourself hey, you know Seattle doesn't have the elite defense anymore and Legion of Boom is not there anymore. Are they going to be able to consistently running? I think if you're a Chris Carson fan, you know, if you're obviously in fantasy-wise, he had a good week this week. And they're gonna, he's going to obviously be the lead back. But uh, that's something I want to go to look forward to, see exactly how that running game is going to be going. I understand they want to see Russ Cook, but if he's throwing more, especially to lock it, uh, and you're getting in these shootouts, and you know your defense isn't great, their elite safety isn't great at covering, let's go see how that works. So, All right. The last thing I want to talk about with this is uh, Caleb Farley, the first-round pick, is nowhere to be found. He played eight snaps week one, didn't play week two. Once again, another first-round pick two years in a row that isn't being utilized. It's kind of unfortunate. So let's move on to uh, the next part we're going to talk about, which 2-0 team is real. So, yes, there are other teams that are 2-0. However, the three we want to highlight, Denver, Las Vegas, and Carolina. So for Denver, I predicted them to have nine wins as long as they take care of business in the first three games because that was their tough part, of their, their easiest part of their schedule. I, I, I could see them with nine wins, and they're doing that right now. And I think next week, I think they play the Jets. Um, so they have, a, they have an easy game. Um, and Bridgewater has proved me wrong, and I think me and Alex both kind of were looking towards Drew Locke getting a chance this year with all the weapons. But Bridgewater, man, he's got the second best per completion percentage at 77%. He's averaging just under 300 yards a game, four touchdowns, no interceptions, the eighth, eighth best graded quarterback in football right now. So, And that's with losing Jerry Judy and getting Cortland Sutton back. Imagine when they get both of them running together. Um, that team has a lot of weapons. If they can stay healthy, and, and you know, I think watch out for Denver. Not to mention, I talk up their defense. Third best yards allowed, fourth fifth best at points allowed, and Von Miller already has three sacks. Now, moving on to the Raiders, Alex, uh, you know, I don't understand what's happening. Alex, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like some of this had to do with TJ Watt getting hurt, um, Big Ben not being able to throw very well, the Ravens having a lot of injuries. I, I feel like I don't want to take credit away from the Raiders, but I think some things went in the Raiders' favor to allow them to win those games. What do you think? Oh, definitely, uh, definitely. The 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 Ravens game, the Ravens shouldn't have won that game. The Ravens made some critical mistakes, um, some turnovers. Obviously, Lamar Jackson fumbled the ball uh, in a certain times. It definitely put the Raiders in a situation where they could win. And then Pittsburgh, we're still at the situation, especially early in this. In the, how good is Pittsburgh? Is Pittsburgh <clears throat> the eleven zero team we saw last year at the beginning? They kind of skated by, beating bad teams. Or are they the team at the end of the year that couldn't move the football at all and was just a bad offensive team? Right now, they're kind of looking like a really bad offensive team. Um, we talked about week one that they basically won that Buffalo Bill game on defense and special teams. Well, today, well, 
obviously Sunday, this past Sunday, they didn't win on defense. T.J. Watt, you talked about, was out. So defensively, they were as good as they were. And then off, and you're also talking about the offense was still struggling. Big Ben is still struggling to kind of be a, you know, put points up. And then the special teams didn't block a field goal or block a punt this week. So um, that's something going to be walking, looking forward. But it's always about these two and no teams. We sometimes you think they beat really good teams. It turns out they're going to be really bad teams, and then vice versa. So um, we'll we'll keep monitoring on that and see how Vegas goes going forward. So Derek Carr, possibly the most underrated quarterback, uh, just because just because of how he's been treated out there, and he's has his good moments and bad moments. But he's number one in passing by 150 yards um, against two good defenses. The other thing for the Raiders is the big problems are defense, like Alex said. Uh, they only had 21 sacks last year. They already have five and two games, so they're on a much better pace. The last one to wrap up on these teams, and we'll pick who we think is going to be the best. The Panthers, I'm going to go right to it. Their schedule is winnable for most of the schedule until their last four games of the season. They should be able to be an above 500 team until they get to the last four games of the schedule. It's easy when you have CMC with what kind of, you know, with how well he's playing if he stays healthy. You know, the last four games at Buffalo, Tampa Bay, at New Orleans, at Tampa Bay. It, you know, even if you take those four games away and you count them as all losses, they can do enough damage where they could still make a playoff run and have a chance if they can keep this momentum going. So, Alex, with these three teams we just talked about, which one of these three teams would you pick to have the most wins by the end of the season? Oh, man. You know what? I'm going to stick with the Panthers. Um, we said early in the preseason – I know I picked the Panthers to kind of finish second in their division. I know you picked Denver to finish second in their division. Um, I think the Panthers just have such a winnable, um, a winnable division. Well, not they're going to win division because Tampa, but a winnable schedule. Um, and then it's, it's something about when you start getting the wins at the beginning of the year. Sometimes they can kind of snowball. So yeah, maybe in the next couple of weeks they're playing a bunch of teams that last year were under five hundred. But maybe it gives a little bit better when you start playing the better teams, maybe still another game here or there. So I think the, uh, Darnold, we talked about Darnold. Darnold's not as bad as most people were making them. And then their wide receivers can get open on anyone. So I definitely think they can uh, rack up the wins. All right, let's move on next to uh, the injury impacts. So Dalton's hurt, tweaked knee, not sure what's going to happen with that one. The thing I do want to throw out is people kept talking about fields. They want him to play so bad. However, Dalton's been the 12th best quarterback. He hasn't been the problem. Fields, however, has been the 33rd out of 34 quarterbacks in terms of grade from his one real appearance. And he almost blew the game for the Bears. I don't have great throws. He took he threw a terrible interception. He had a fumble that he was very lucky to prevent from being a pickup six, essentially. You know, he I did not like what I saw out of him. Um, that's not to say he doesn't have the talent because he does have the talent. I just think there are moments where he doesn't really fully read the defense properly or he just makes a bad decision. So um, we'll see who's going to be the quarterback next week. The next big thing for the Browns, Landry, week to week with an MCL sprain. OBJ was also a late scratch because coming off his major knee injury. Look out for the Browns receivers. So probably start looking at Kareem Hunt, the two tight ends, because you know they, the second tight end had some catches out there. Higgins is only the real running back left. Next, the Dolphins quarterback, Tua. All reports are negative on him. It's really going to be a pain management issue, so we'll see what happens with the Dolphins quarterback. Daryl Henderson is going to miss a couple weeks, possibly with a rib injury, so look for Sonny Michelle to get more carries. 
Steelers, TJ Watt issue. Uh, if he, it's, it's a groin and he's supposed to, and he said it's a minor groin issue. Any groin or hamstring issue is not minor. I'm, I would be very concerned about that. He, they say he's supposed to play. You don't want, I'm scared for Steelers fans and him to do that. You don't want to play through that. The biggest blow, unfortunately, I think is the Houston Texans, Alex's boy, Tyrod Taylor. Um, he, you know, he's been great. However, um, He's going to miss up to four weeks with a hamstring injury. They play the Panthers on a short turn here. They're not going to have him. Uh, it's just unfortunate. So now let's move into some fantasy talk. All right, let's get into the uh, quarterbacks. So with the quarterbacks, number one, Kyler Murray. Number two is Mahomes after two weeks. Number three is Brady. The big, big mystery is number four, Daniel Jones. Now, if no one's tracking... Yes, he is number four fantasy quarterback right now. Uh, in through two games, he does have a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and no interceptions in every game. And they play the Falcons next week, so buy big on Daniel Jones. With a couple other quarterbacks, maybe to be concerned about Dak Prescott, number 17. It looks like they're going more of a balanced attack there in Dallas, so there's a chance that he may not jump back into that top five because of that, which is a good thing, honestly. And Josh Allen, he's the one that more so we can probably expect to kind of bounce back to be that normal top three quarterback. There's a couple of favorable matchups coming back up. They're going to re-click. They're going to be just fine. There's no chance Josh Allen stays at 19. Now, what quarterback can you start looking ahead for? Taylor Heineke, great game against the Giants, 34-46, 336 yards. He's definitely on the rise. So moving on to running backs. So two running backs to look for, uh, if you haven't already, Tony Pollard. Cordell Patterson, they both played about a third of their snaps on their team, but when they're in, they get the ball. Patterson was the number 11 running back this last week, and Tony Pollard is now the number 13. Not just last week, I apologize. After two weeks in most standard scoring leagues, especially PPR-based, because they both get catches. <clears throat> now, if we're talking about catches, the other person to consider is James White. With uh, Cam Newton gone, a more stable kind of pocket quarterback, Mac Jones, James White now has 12 catches after two games, so six catches each, and he also had a rushing touchdown. The other thing that I want to kind of bring up that me, Alex kind of talked about before, Najee Harris, you know, yes, he had one catch for a touchdown. You take that out, he has not been doing that great. People keep talking up that he's doing fine, but he only has 83 yards rushing in two games, averaging 3.2 yards per carry. You take away that one touchdown, his numbers aren't very good at all. And his one touchdown was like a 40-yard receiving touchdown. So you got to hope that he's getting some PPR love if you want to keep playing Najee Harris. Now, the big thing to kind of track for uh, deep stealers and, and wait for wire pickups, Elijah Mitchell is the only running back that's healthy-ish on the Niners. All the other ones are pretty much going to be out. Uh, they have on Johnson, the practice squad, who they're talking about promoting up. But also, they're also looking at Lamar Miller. They're bringing in Duke Johnson. They're bringing in TJ Yeldon. So the Niners, if you want to look at kind of a – a, court, a running back that could be kind of a you know a low key steal. Look for what Kyle Shanahan does. He always makes running backs work. They play the Packers. They always do well against the Packers. Moving on to wide receiver, Debo Samuel right now is the number three wide receiver in fantasy football. It is not going to stay there. Yes, he is the number one in yards per game, but like I said, it, it's eventually going to change. He's not going to do that. Sell him now while you can. He will slowly drop off. The only reason why he's number one this week, anyways, is because Tyreek Hill had such a low receiving yard game against the Ravens. So it's not going to stay there. Like we talked about with Mike Williams, he's number six overall 
and after two weeks at 22.2 tied with Amari Cooper. Um, he's always had the potential. It's a fantasy, it's a contract year. So get him while you can. It's probably the last week you can get him before he really blows up. Now we're going to talk some wide receivers that you want to look for. The one that everyone's talking big up about this week is Rondell Moore. He's owned in about 24% of the leagues. Last week, 7 for 114 and a touchdown, moving him all the way up to number 17 after two weeks for wide receivers. Um, if you don't have a claim on him now, you're probably going to miss out. So who can you get if you don't get him? Number three target for Minnesota, K.J. Osborne. He had 14.6 fantasy points per game in, in week one and 20 fantasy points per game in week two. So uh, look for him. Uh, they, they really don't have a tight end there anymore. Um, technically he has more points per game than Justin Jefferson. <laughs> um, so that's something to kind of look at. He's got 15 targets through two games. Uh, that doesn't look like it's a mistake. It looks like he's kind of there to stay. If you don't get him either, the next one down would be Henry Ruggs, five targets week one, seven targets week two. Nelson Aguilar was the kind of deep threat last year. Ruggs had a great deep touchdown this game week two. Um, so those are the ones of research you want to kind of look at. And then if you're kind of looking at who could have a breakout week this week that hasn't been doing very well, Kenny Galladay, 14 targets in two games, hasn't got a lot of catches. Him and Daniel Jones got into it week two. I I, I have a feeling that they're just going to have a blowout game and they play the Falcons, so that definitely won't hurt. Um, really quickly, getting into tight ends, kind of breaking quickly down the top five tight ends in fantasy football. You have Kelsey, number one, Gronk, number two. Hawkinson three, Waller number four. So we expected Kel- we expected three of those. Gronk, we'll see if those numbers stay true. Um, but number five is Noah Fant, and there's a huge drop in points. So Waller's at 19 points per game. Fant's at 12.8, so it's a seven-point drop, essentially. After that, it's kind of a crapshoot for who you're going to get. Um, I mean, Dawson Knox is out there, Jack Doyle, Rickard, Ricky Seals-Jones. Um, but, you know, what's going on with people like George Kittle? Well, George Kittle has nine targets through two games. Um, is anything wrong? Nope. He's fully involved. He's in the run game. Uh, they're just not using him much, but kind of like while I was talking to Debo Samuel, start looking at Kittle, get him if you can, buy him in a trades low. Uh, he's eventually going to come back to normal. And the last thing I want to talk about is Kyle Pitts. What's Kyle Pitts been doing? Well, he's got 14 targets in two games. He's slowly developing into a good target. He's going to get better week by week. I think he's going to kick that trend of uh, rookie tight ends. Now, the last thing to talk about um Alex can't join it for this part, but we can talk quickly game matchups for me and Alex. Some of the games that we're looking at, uh, at you know, must-watch games, Washington football team at the Bills. The Bills are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, just want to see, you know, what Heineke does, what Josh Allen does. Um, they're both great defenses, so it's very interesting. Eight-and-a-half is a lot of points, in my opinion. Next one is Chargers at Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by six-and-a-half, but the Chargers always play them well. Chargers have their team healthy. I think the Chargers can give them a really good run, which is really concerning because the Chiefs, if they lose that game, one and two, will be last place in the West, which is a very unusual territory for them. Th- uh, third game, Tampa the Rams. So Tom Brady going to L.A. Matt Stafford, that new offense. Cooper Cup is blowing the league up right now after two weeks. The Rams are favored, or, or actually the Bucks are favored by one. So, you know, really curious to see how that goes. I think if there's a team to give the Bucks a, a real run, I think the Rams could do that. I think the Rams could squeak out that win. Um, lastly, Packers at Niners, which Packers team is the real team? The second half, yes, they blew the lines out. It was raining. Goff had a lot of turnovers. He's got little tiny baby hands, you know, didn't handle the ball very well. Um, Niners, when they're healthy, they can usually run through the Packers pretty well. Unlike last year, they weren't healthy. And also this year they have one healthy running back. So really curious to see how that plays out. So that's everything we got for week two recap, week three to look ahead. So this is episode 35, Sports Talk for Fans by Fans. 
appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, please give us a follow. And please, when you listen, share, subscribe, like, get the word out there. We'd appreciate all the support. Um, and we'll catch you guys next week.